Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the Outkick network, this is Outkick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Welcome into Outkick 360 Don't At Me edition. And no, I'm not Dan Dockich by myself in studio in Nashville right now. I am Chad Withrow, but I am by myself at this broadcast table at 6th and Peabody studio downtown Nashville, but don't worry. I've got the typical great team behind me today. All of our production group is here, including chairman of the board himself, David Reed. Paul Kuharski is out today. Jonathan Hutton is not out today. Don't worry. I joke about being Dan Dockich. We're not going to talk about CNN Plus failing in 21 days. I've got very limited thoughts on Keith Olbermann, but we've got a lot of thoughts on the world of sports today that we're going to get to throughout our three hours on the show, uh, including some great guests for you. Bobby Carpenter from OutKick.com is going to join us. We've got Dave McGinnis, Coach Mack, joining us from Birmingham with Jonathan Hutton coming up a little bit later, plus Brock Heward. You saw him and heard him a week ago, a Fox football analyst and doing some work with the USFL. He's going to join us at 420 Central Time and our VolQuest segment with Brent Hubbs Coming up just a little bit later. Exciting show for you today. Plenty of uh, big headlines to get into. But first, we go to Jonathan Hutton. He is two and a half hours south of downtown Nashville right now. Coming to us live from Protective Stadium in Birmingham, Alabama, where he is there with the USFL this week. Hutton, how are things in the Magic City? Chad, uh, you know, a little lonely. I miss you. I wish I was in studio there at 6th and Peabody, or I wish everyone would be here at Protective Stadium. We've got week two kicking off in the USFL tonight. The Michigan Panthers taking on the New Jersey Generals this evening, and then you've got the doubleheader starting tomorrow at noon central, and we're giving coverage through OutKick.com and through Fox on everything going on this evening in week two as it kicks off on USA Network. Of course, uh, Fisher coaching the, the Panthers, Max with me, um, it, it's going to be a, a fun weekend here in Birmingham and, and plenty of headlines galore at OutKick coming off of this weekend where we expect to have some behind-the-scenes access. I, I, I did not request to sit in the press box for a reason. I'll be on the sideline. I'll be in the locker room. And, and the, the goal is to give a perspective behind the, behind the scenes, behind the lens of the USFL. Now that they have their feet wet, week one's behind them. They kind of know the, the, the rhythm and, and the way of, of how the season is going to go practice-wise. It should be a cool experience. Hutton, it looks like you're in front of a green screen right now. Your backdrop is so beautiful. With that stadium behind you, it looks like we're doing Look almost an, an SNL sketch, and it's actually just yes. a prop behind you, and you look the part of a broadcaster with a football stadium behind you. It's perfect. You caught a break with the weather. It was a little bit rainy when I arrived in Birmingham last <laughs> week. The, the clouds parted, though, and everything was perfect. Once the game started, looks like you're going to have some good weather this weekend. So enjoy it. I, I had a great time a week ago with the debut. And curious to see how things look in week two as this season progresses with USFL. And 
and very excited about your coverage there with the access you've been granted uh, with Jeff Fisher and his Michigan Panthers team and with the USFL. So go to outkick.com for all that coverage. we got a big show today, as I mentioned before. Hutton, you mentioned Coach Dave McGinnis. Coach Mack will be there with you in our next segment. Uh, it's a very sad anniversary today, but also one that's very inspirational that you guys are going to talk about coming up in the next segment. But plenty of headlines to get to. I want to start, Hutton, with Steve Kime, general manager of the Arizona Cardinals, uh, coming out and saying that there is zero chance, that was the quote, zero chance that Kyler Murray gets traded even though he's not happy right now. You juxtapose that with John Robinson of the Titans who said he does not foresee a trade happening for A.J. Brown. One statement is very strong. The other statement is sort of convincing, but it's easy for me. There's been a lot of misinformation put out there by GMs and coaches in the past. Josh Rosen, for instance, was deemed the guy for the Cardinals three weeks before they drafted Kyler Murray, which you could say, well, at the time he was because the draft hadn't happened yet. But this is one Hutton that I buy because I look at the Cardinals and I'm thinking, yeah, duh, they're not giving up a franchise quarterback unless they're getting one in return. So what did you make of this statement compared to what John Robinson said about A.J. Brown yesterday? Well, it's hard to compare first-round picks, former first-round picks, to any pick beyond the first round because of the fifth-year option. Steve Kime is telling everyone that they're picking up his fifth-year option on May the 2nd. That, that's what's coming out of this. They're not trading him. They're going to pick up the fifth-year option, and that's where – the Cardinals hold a ton of leverage in this. They can dangle the, the huge carrot. Kyler Murray, by the way, is making a lot more money than A.J. Brown is making going into year number four of their contract based on where he was drafted, which was number one overall, and he's getting that rookie money at quarterback. So it's hard to compare the two situations from that aspect. But Kime's also looking at this and, and, and saying, look, moving forward, what sets us up for the best chance to win? He's been there a while. Kingsbury's on the hot seat. Kyler Murray gives them the best shot. They're not going after Baker Mayfield. If they would, if they thought about that, they would have done that already. And they're not trying to make a trade for a top top of the line pick and position themselves for a quarterback because those guys aren't ready to start this year. And they're not in rebuild mode because their ownership is telling them that. The Bidwells are saying the same thing and Kime's echoing that. I, I think I think it was important if you if you listen and read through more of what Kime said, he said that last week. He and Kyler Murray spoke about the draft process and what they were thinking moving forward. And, and when you look at some of the players that they would be in position to go after, um, there are those covering the Cardinals who think that Kime will be very aggressive in trying to get one of the top six wide receivers in this draft. They want to add more pieces around Kyler Murray, not move Kyler Murray and then add the next piece at quarterback. I, I think that's important. They, they need help at wide receiver, edge rush, corner, interior offensive line. But if you listen to Kime and listen to how he says that Kyler Murray is asking for some input in what they're doing, that input from his stance would be trying to replace Christian Kirk, who just left and signed with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, and I just don't see a good alternative, you know, as you're discussing this for the Cardinals uh, other than Kyler Murray being their franchise quarterback, that they drafted him number one overall to be. So I totally understand where Kime is coming from. I also think that he's taken a very pragmatic approach to this. You know, you go through the quotes from what he said, and, and 
he's not bothered by it. He said, look, it's a tactic used by, you know, the, the agent, by his side of it. He's like, I, I learned to not take these things personally. It's business. That statement that was released by the agent and everything they're saying, they're just playing the cards that they have right now, and I'm not going to get worked up over it or get upset about anything he's saying. Um, I think it's easy to say that. It's much more difficult to apply that and not take these things personally if you're on one side or the other. I think far too often players will take it more personally than the teams, than the general managers, than the organizations, and I understand that part of it also. But I think Steve Kime has been pretty smart with what he's done and then what he said yesterday in regards to Kyler Murray. And Murray is no bust. You know, this is not Carson Wentz being moved out of after one year in Indy um, and, and going to Washington to be, in essence, a bridge for whatever, dis, whatever they end up with uh, as their next quarterback option, either this year or beyond. Um, you know, Murray's been right there on the fringe, Chad, of busting through. You know, he's offensive rookie of the year. He's a two-time Pro Bowler. He's only been in the year three, uh, three years, three, been in the league three years. I look at him as uh, he's no different. He's right in line with Kingsbury. He's got a lot to prove, and it's time to take that huge next step. And with the investment they made in him by moving on from Josh Rosen and selecting Kyler Murray, I th- especially if you're taking a guy number one overall, you move forward and you pick up the fifth-year option, which guarantees him that fifth year. And uh, you, you work out a contract down the road. You don't work it out right now. And they would also require another team be, being willing to jump in and pay the quarterback price for Murray. And they would have the same questions that I just brought out there about where he stacks up amongst the league. And, and when you consider the teams that would be in the mix, Houston has made it very clear they're moving forward with what they have, whether that's the correct decision or not. Arizona's not trading within the division to Seattle. And Carolina, while they're looking for a franchise guy, you can't sit here today and say Kyler Murray's a franchise guy. And Carolina holds the sixth overall pick. They could take a guy there if they want to, to pair with Sam Darnold, who they've invested a a few million in there. I'm intrigued by the discussion from the agent's point of view. And I understand why he's wanting the extension now, because the fifth-year option is coming up. And then the team guarantees that. And then you sit around and wait. He wants to get paid now. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen before the draft, and I think Kime is acknowledging that. Hutton, you, uh, you became a big fan of Trevor Bauer a year ago when he had the YouTube series, the, the behind-the-scenes look, and you made me more of a Trevor Bauer fan by turning me on to that series. Well, Trevor Bauer is still under administrative leave from Major League Baseball, and that leave has been extended to April 29th. And I look at the facts that are out there, and I know there's this whole push about believe all women. You know, you believe a woman if they make a claim about anything. And and I think that's foolish. And I would say that's foolish about any sex, any race, any ethnicity, anything. If your stance is believe this group, no matter what, if they make a claim and someone else is claiming something else, that goes against everything that our country and our judicial system was founded upon, or at least what we strive to be. So I think that's dumb. The facts of this case are a woman accused Trevor Bauer of something, Evidence was presented, and the authorities decided to not push forward based on evidence, including text messages back and forth between the accuser and the accused. Yet Major League Baseball, and we've seen this before in the NFL, they hold all the power, it seems, in this. They can just simply hold him out, call it administrative leave. I don't know why he's under administrative leave at this point. 
if authorities aren't pressing charges and nothing else is happening? Are they simply waiting for something else to drop? Are they punishing him because he was, at this point in time, falsely accused of a consensual act and what it actually was? I'm very confused about what hand Major League Baseball is trying to play here, Hutton. And since you're the one who presented the Trevor Bauer YouTube series to me and got me even more into this guy, what are your thoughts on his leave being extended? Hey, by, uh, before we get to it, the, the, the YouTube vlog that he put together with the Cincinnati Reds is fantastic. And so he, he, he went through a daily process of life in the majors where he just took a camera with him and then two or three times a week put up an episode um, uh, about every pitching uh, performance that he had, uh, the regiment behind the scenes of the hotel, the travel, all of it. Some of the players absolutely hated it because he's bringing a camera behind the scenes where Major League Baseball doesn't have a lot of behind-the-scenes access. Uh, the league hated it because he would go in on league issues on the vlog. Um, so it, I, I don't know the behind-the-scenes aspect of what's been accused versus what we've – I'm saying behind-the-scenes versus what we've seen just in text messages and what's been out there available to the public. So let, let me preface all that by saying the league already, uh, through fines – because of the vlog, they've, they've, they've had him uh, asked to, he's been asked to take down certain things. I think they already don't like the guy, first and foremost. Um, and I also think the Dodgers aren't really pressing this very hard either to get him back. They're not asking for him to be reinstated anytime soon. That, that's my perception of this. I think if the Dodgers stepped up and made more of an issue about having their $100 million former Cy Young pitcher on the mound for them, then that would press the issue forward. I don't, I don't get, the, get the sense there are a lot of sports writers or uh, the, the Dodgers who are asking and clamoring for this guy to receive some answers whether or not he's going to be allowed back on the mound. This has gone on way too long, and these deadlines happen around the corner. Like it, you mentioned, they've pushed it back to the end of the month, and they, it, typically it's like every month, every month and a half, they set a new deadline for this exempt list that he's on. Um, he wasn't nearly to the level that he was pitching the year prior when they took away the spider tack, and the Dodgers are still excellent anyway without him. So with all that being said, uh, this is up to the Dodgers and Major League Baseball to press this issue forward to the point where they allow him back on the mound or not. And I say all that with, with the understanding that we don't have all the details of what's going on behind the scenes, and he has really tamped down the vlog access since he's been placed on this list. He's been back on YouTube some with some of the training and getting ready for the season, but not nearly as often as what it was on a daily basis of keeping up with the behind-the-scenes access to his life. Well, and let me say this. We don't have all the details in this case. I don't know that Major League Baseball has all the details, but the, the hard-line things that we have is there was an accusation, there was a fight against that accusation, a denial of the accusation. It was presented... Mm -hmm. To the, the law, no, 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 no charges were filed in the case, but yet you still have Trevor Bauer months after this still in some sort of league purgatory, which, again, I don't understand. And if you're waiting on the other shoe to drop or more information, let him play while that happens. If there's new news, this is what we do with stories. We allow ourselves to be convinced by new evidence, something new in the story. So if you're Major League Baseball, why are you preventing him from playing until you get further information, further evidence? Let him play. If something new is out there other than what I just stated, 
then you can put them on administrative leave again and then decide to do for, what to do from a discipline standpoint. I, I don't disagree with anything you're saying. Just know, and I know you know, Major League Baseball, he, he ruffled some fle- feathers with them prior to these accusations because he was willing to be open and honest with the fan about literally anything. If he, if he wanted to wear a certain pair of shoes, um, you know, uh, he wanted to uh, do something on the Astros, right, with the, the drums or whatever, um, and, and, and battle some suspension of the player received or a fine that he would have received or he's wearing a certain jersey and during warm-ups that he shouldn't wear. It's entertaining for the fans. Major League Baseball didn't like it. And, and since, all, since he's been placed on this list, for the most part, he's been relatively quiet. And I think Major League Baseball is trying to keep him quiet. I don't know, you know what, what the inner workings are like in this, but they don't have that same friction over the last, what, year that this has gone on? It, maybe it's a little less than that. But it, 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 it's gone on way too long considering the facts are still the facts as they were at this time last year. And consider how the NFL handled Deshaun Watson, uh, where they left the Texans without any answers. Meanwhile, Major League Baseball is keeping him from the Dodgers. It's, it's the complete opposite way of handling things. Yeah, it's, it's bizarre in my opinion. Um, we're going to get to a future topic we didn't have time for in this segment, but I'll tease it by saying this. I just want to take a moment to say how thrilled I am to know that Ryan Tannehill has had a hell of an offseason and that he's nice and relaxed and recharged. <laughs> and I'm, I'm just so thrilled that he was shared that uh, with all the Titans fans and everyone who supported him and everyone who buys tickets to go watch Ryan Tannehill play, including those who bought a ticket to watch him play in the playoffs last year and throw three interceptions, losing in their first playoff opportunity. I just want to thank Ryan Tannehill for his diligence in letting everyone know that because of some sort of energy water or vitamin water, I don't know what it is, that he is relaxed, <laughs> he is recharged, and he is having one hell of an offseason. And uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit later in the show. But more important things to get to when we come back. We're going to send it back down to Jonathan Hutton in Birmingham, Protective Stadium, for USFL Week 2. He's got a very special guest coming up next. Our buddy, our confidant, some would say our leader, Coach Mack. Dave McGinnis, and he's got a very special anniversary that he's going to be talking about. That's coming up next. This is Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. We are back on Outkick 360 across the Outkick network. I'm Chad Withrow. Paul Kaharski out today. Jonathan Hutton is live in Birmingham at Protective Stadium, getting set for week two of the USFL. And he's got a very special guest standing by right now. I'm not going to waste any time because you know him, you love him. He's a good friend of ours, good friend of the show. Coach Dave McGinnis, former NFL head coach, and he is live with Jonathan Hutton down in Birmingham right now. Hutton, take it away. Chad, thank you. Mac, good to see you, brother. Hutt, it's great to be here with you. It's great to be here with Chad. Uh, we're looking forward to this tonight. We came down. I came down here to watch Jeff Fisher's team play. I watched all of these teams play the first weekend. Uh, this is about great opportunities, and I'm, I'm happy to be here. 
It's going to be a, a fun weekend. Max along for the ride uh, with Alkick and Fox this weekend. Uh, even gave him the credential uh, as we got in here. The, the staff here is phenomenal. And, and I want to mention before we get going with Mac, fans can come down if you're if you're in the the mid south area. Birmingham's relatively close to wherever you are. If you consider yourself mid south, you can get to Birmingham. You can bring the family. Adult tickets ten dollars, and every ten dollar ticket. Three kids under the age of 15 can get in for free. Um, game tonight, two games tomorrow. The night game tomorrow here at Protective Stadium, they will have some NASCAR drivers on hand, uh, a meet-and-greet opportunity for fans as they come into the stadium. So you can check out more information at theusfl.com. Mac, uh, today the anniversary, 18 years ago today, April 22, 2004, Pat Tillman was killed in Afghanistan, uh, serving our country. I don't know of anybody who knows or knew Pat Tillman better than you. You scouted him. You met him while he was at Arizona State. You drafted him where you were the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. This day does not get any easier. Um, but I do know that you do not mind speaking on behalf of Pat Tillman, who was the most influential player you were ever around. Hut, uh, at any time, and I get to across the country a lot, both on the airwaves and in person, you know, speak to, to what Pat Tillman was, what he stood for. I appreciate the opportunity to do it uh, today with you. Uh, but you're right. This this anniversary never, ever leaves me, and it never will. I can, I mean, it doesn't even, I can't even fathom the fact that it was 18 years ago, but I feel like I was right there in that draft room. I was prepping for the draft. I was Jeff Fisher's assistant head coach. We were prepping for the draft. You know, we were in the draft room, you know, arranging the board, and Robbie Boren, the, the PR director, came to the door and asked for Coach Fisher first, and then Coach Fisher came into the room and said, Coach Mack, we need to, I need to see you. We need to see you. And so, you know, I, I had no idea what it was about. But when it came out, and, and, and Jeff Fisher was the one that told me, Mac, I, I, I hate to tell you this. I, I, I'm, I'm just stunned to tell you this, that Pac Tillman has lost his life in Afghanistan. I mean, the world really started spinning fast for me. Yeah. And you could all of a sudden just feel an emptiness. And, and then, you know, everything just started speeding up quite a bit. And, you know, reflecting on it back now, 18 years later, it, it's still kind of hard to believe because Pat should still be here with us. Uh, Pat Tillman, uh, Hutt, and for you, I know I've talked to you a lot about it for all of our, all of our viewers and all of our listeners. Uh, he just embodied what, you, I mean, honesty, integrity, dignity are a lot of words that are used a lot. Pat Tillman lived it. I think he, he clearly possessed, you know, the, the, there's just a fiber in the fabric that all of us would aspire to. And it, I've been involved 36 years straight in the National Football League. I've been involved with some really, really unique individuals, impressive individuals, both on the field and off. And, and you know, career-wise, eight Hall of Famers, guys that have gone on to cr tremendous careers after their, after their playing days. No one, as you, as, and you just said it, has impacted my life as deeply as Pat Tillman did for a lot of reasons. He was a very, very special person, probably one of the, the purest hearts I've ever been involved with. But it, it was, it, to me, it was, a, it was a gigantic loss. But at the same time, to keep his memory alive with the Pat Tillman Foundation that, that, that his, his widow Marie has kept going, has, has benefited so, so many uh, children of the of the Iraq Afghanistan war vets. Yeah, uh, 
and, and I, I can't speak about him enough, and I'll never stop talking about him because he will always, a piece of Pat Tillman hut will always be on my heart for a lot of reasons. Well, those adjectives that you used to describe him, we would use to describe everyone, other great Americans who have served our country or currently serving our country. Um, but we, we, we have friends who have served or, or, or are serving, and Tillman is revered by them. And it's because he dropped everything to go serve and fight for the United States right after September 11th. You were around him. You were coaching him at that time. And that, that stuck with him to the point where he left the NFL to join the Army. That absolutely. It impacted him that he, that he took the, the, the action that he did. And I'm so glad that you said this about Pat, about all of our other great servicemen and women. Pat Tillman did not ever want himself to be distinguished apart from any of them. And, and he made it very clear. He made it very clear to me when he came in to talk to me about what he and his brother Kevin had decided to do. He said, he said Mac, I, I'm no different than anybody else that wants to serve their country. I'm not special. When was this? Well, it was, it was, it was the year that he was going to be. He was a restricted free agent. Then he was going to be a free agent. So it was in, it was in uh, 2002, okay. 2003. And so what he did was... During 9/11, and we were getting we were getting ready to play the Washington Commanders. Now, you know that yes, the, the team we were scheduled to go to Washington the, 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 when 9/11 hit, and so that was a traumatic experience. But I can vividly remember going down into the the, the press room after everything had hit, and I'd had a team meeting and had met with all the guys, and Pat Tillman was sitting there by himself, just staring at the coverage on the television, staring at the coverage. And then the next day, the Arizona Republic, the whole back page of the Arizona Republic was an American flag. Pat cut the American flag out. We had glassed-in meeting rooms you know, where, around our auditorium, and he put that on the defensive meeting room wall, and uh, it stayed there for a, for a long, long time. Uh, he, he was very deeply in his convictions. He was very deep in his convictions, but he was also just, he was an every man's man. He really was, and he appealed to so many different people, but he never wanted to be singled out for what he did. Uh, when he got back from his first tour uh, hut in, in Afghanistan, in, in Iraq, in Baghdad, he called me, and he and, 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 his, and his brother and his, and his wife, Marie, they were living in Fort Lewis, Washington. We were getting ready to play the Seahawks. I get a call out of the blue, and it's, it's Tilly. He said, Coach Mack, look, I'm back from my first deployment. Uh, myself and Kevin and Marie and a couple of our friends, you know, would like to come to the game. I, could I buy some tickets? And I went, Tilly, what? You're not buying any tickets. Wait a minute. So I go down to see Bill Bidwell, you know, God rest his soul, you know, who was still alive then. And told him, and he said, you go back and tell Pat Tillman he gets whatever he wants. And so I did, and I told him that, and he didn't, that, that, he didn't want that. And I said, no, Tilly, do that. And I said, and now, so we got him a hotel, and we got him all set up. And then I asked him if he would want to speak with the team. And he said, absolutely not. He said, this is about them. This is their time. This is not about me. I just want to come see the fellas. I just want to come watch the game and be here. I finally, you know, I had a suite, and, 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 we, and myself and Larry Marmee, my defensive coordinator, we met upstairs with, with Pat and his, his whole group, you know, till about midnight. And then he asked me as he was leaving, you know, he said, Coach Mack, what time do you get up in the morning? I said, well, early. He said, well, this Starbucks opens early across the street. Can you meet me over there? And I said, sure. So Larry Marmee and I met him over there, and then we continued to talk you know, that, that got pretty serious as far as, because I asked him, I said, Pat, what do you want to do? He had already been offered the chance, you know, with a couple of teams 
when he came back from that first tour of duty. And he had made a commitment, and he said, Coach, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fulfill this commitment. But what I, what I want to do, I want to come back and play for you. And I'm just telling you that right now. And I, and I told him, I said, you know, Pat, I don't know how this is going to work out here, but wherever I am, I promise you, you will have a place in the National Football League with me. And so he said, good. And then I asked him, would he please come, just, just come to the team meal, the team breakfast. And he thought about it a while. He went upstairs, talked to Marie, called me, said, okay, meet me at the elevator. When he walked into that room hut, I mean, it was dead silence. Yeah. It was as if someone had come in there that really wasn't real because all the younger players uh, knew, the, knew the, the aura and the, and the legend of Pat Tillman for what he'd done. But some of the guys that had played with him, then it was an immediate you know, embrace. And, and he talked to him for a little while. And then after the game, uh, Paul Jensen, who was the PR director, closed our locker room to the press so that Pat could come in and say his goodbyes to his teammates you know, and his coaches. His brother Kevin stayed outside the locker room because he had the same spirit. He said, look – this is Pat's time. And so Pat told everybody goodbye and, the, you know, and then gave me a hug. And, and, and he said, Coach, I'm going to hold you to what you said. And I said, Pat, you know that you can. He said, I love you, Coach. And I said, I love you, Pat. And then that's the last I ever saw of him. And he went back for his second tour right He went back that. for his second tour. I mean, he went back. He was going to fulfill his commitment that he made. And then uh, clearly when, it, when everything hit, and then, of course, all the circumstances surrounding it, I was involved, you know, a lot of, with all of those, the, the congressional hearings. And, the, you know, I've still got redacted copies in, in, in my files at home. It, it was just, it, it was a, it was just a, 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 a sad, shocking, just the whole thing. The impact of it was very grave. I spoke at both. Memorial services, one in his hometown of San Jose that was massive, one in, in Sun Devil Stadium, again in Phoenix, that was massive. And again, as I said, and, you know, I was on the initial board uh, foundation uh, for the Pat Tillman Foundation. I was on that initial board, and, and, and uh, somebody had the idea to start the Pat's run. We had no idea how many people we would have. Now they have to shut it off at a certain number because the, around Tempe Town Lake they can't handle the crowds. His his legacy will live on, but his legacy in that foundation that Marie and 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 his mother Danny have done it's just it's fabulous, and it's a very very sad time for me, but it's also a very proud time for me to be able to keep his memory and what he was about alive. Dave McGinnis with us on Outkick 360 discussing the legacy of Pat Tillman. 18 years ago today, killed while serving the United States, while serving in Afghanistan. Um, first time you met Pat Tillman, he made quite the impression on you. Was it w- w- the first time? Was it the time that you went to work him out yes, at Arizona absolutely. State? absolutely. I knew about Pat, and of course Jake Plummer and that group. That was the group. Their group was the one that, that, that you know uh, and that were went to the Rose Bowl, got beat by Ohio State. And David Boston in the Rose Bowl in the last, you know, you know, they had a tremendous team there at Arizona State and just a bunch of real scrappy, hard-line dudes on that Arizona State team. And so when they had their pro day, you know, we, we had him on our board. And when they had their pro day, myself, Larry Marmee, who was, my def- who was the, the defensive secondary coach, and Bob Ferguson, who was the general manager, we went to the pro day there. And then afterwards, we, you know, they got through. We wanted to work him out because he played an overhang linebacker, which for all of our listeners, he played off the ball, but he was at a second-level defense. We wanted to see if he could do some defensive back drills, and so we took him to a practice field there at Arizona State. And, of course, he comes over there, and he's Tilly. He's got his long hair, and he's, you know, and he's, he's got his shirt off, and he's got his, his shorts on, look like he's on Malibu Beach. And, and, <laughs> and, he just, and, and we start putting him through these drills that he hadn't run before, and they're deep, you know, they're linear drills. They're down the field, and we start throwing the ball, and he's not real smooth. 
smooth at doing it, and he's diving all over the place and scraping himself up. And after about you know 10 or 12 minutes, I tell Larry Marmee, that's good. I've seen enough. Pat comes right up to my face, Coach, you know it's terrible. He said, you know, and it, Pat's exact words, you know I was shitty, so I'm not finishing like that. And I said, okay. And so he, he goes back and he keeps, he keeps going. And then at the end, you know, we, he says, thank you so much for coming and doing this. And then on draft day, you know, uh, it's one of the times, uh, many times I would do it in the draft room when I had, when I had enough pull, I'd say, you know, if it makes a difference in this seventh round, you know, who the defensive coordinator wants and our head coach at the time, Ben Stowen, who we want, we want Pat Tillman. That's so we drafted him. And after we drafted him, Hutt, uh, two days later, my secretary comes to my office and says, Pat Tillman's in the lobby, would like to talk to you. Do you have time for him? I said, well, sure I do. This is how many days after? Well, two days after the draft. Well, he comes in, and again, he's got the flip-flops on, and you know, he's, he, rode, he rode his bike up there. He rode his bike, you know, from wherever he was living in Tempe, rode his bike to our facility, had the cut-off shirt, the hair, yeah. you know, and the, sits down in front of me and goes, look, Coach Mack, I know why you drafted me. You figure, hometown guy, you need to fill some seats. You know, Jake and I can get some people in here. Uh, you figure, I'll be some special teams help for you. You know, nice seventh-round pick. He said, I'm going to tell you right now, if you'll spend some damn time with me, I'll be your starting safety. And I went, I will. And I did, and he was. Not initially. No, no. But he worked his way in. He worked into- his way in. And then, again, I'm glad you bring that up. You and I have talked before. Uh, I benched him. I said, you know, about six games in the season, he'd kind of hit a wall. And I said, Tilly, I'm going to take you off first and second down, and I'm going to put you in, in nickel. He said, I said, you got any questions? He said, yeah, I hate that. I hate it. He said, I don't like it at all. He said, but I trust you, and so all I'm asking you is tell me what I need to do to get my job back. So I laid it out for him, you know, the reason why and where I thought he was getting, you know, a little bit sticky in what he was doing on first and second down. And sure enough, he won his job back, and then from then on, we couldn't keep him off the field. Leave, leave us with yeah. Leave us with with just why he decided to do what he did, which was drop the money, drop the fame, drop the chance at extending the career. Because you mentioned it was a restricted free agent. He had a chance to make a ton of money. He ended up wanting to stay with you guys. But you get where I'm going here. He dropped everything to go and serve. What was the conviction in him that others wished they had? Well, he I mean, possessed it that, you know, I wish I had the fortitude to step up and do something like well, that. Well, as I say, I think all of us wish that we really embodied that fiber yeah, fabric, right. you know, legitimately, you know, truthfully. And I really think, and, and we talked for a long time when it came into, you know, about the decision, but I think it truly came down to just a sense of duty. He had a sense of duty. If you watch the special that he did that, you know, that I, that, you know, after his, you know, he said, you know, my, you know, my, my grandfather served, my uncles have served. And this, you could just sense it in him when he was sitting there. I go clear, go back to nine eleven, just sitting there by himself in that, in that PR office watching it. And I, and I, I firmly believe it was just, it was a true sense of duty. He and Kevin, both his brother, his brother was in the Cleveland Indians organization. So they both gave up their professional careers to go at a time when it was a critical time in our country to volunteer and serve. I haven't asked you this before. What were the, what were the teammates like when they learned he was doing that, that when they learned that he was I, leaving? I, I, and I'm, I'm glad you asked that, Hut. And I can tell you honestly, most everybody said, that's Pat. Mm. That's Pat. That's Pat. I can tell you so many stories about Pat as to where – they just knew that was that was him, that was him, and it it 
you know, it was a little bit, probably a little bit surprised, but not shocked because they knew the man. Yeah, and he he was an Army Ranger. He's no, not he, an that, NFL that, player, and that's, right? Like that's that's. I mean, you show me a photo of him earlier. It's not him in a, in a jersey. No, no, he was a. It's him in uniform. And that's the other thing he said. You know, of course, because he had graduated. He graduated in three and a half years. He was brilliant, and you know, he could have gone into OCS school and he could have gone in that way. But he went in right at the bottom. And I said, well, what do you want? What do you and Kev want to do? He said, if we if we can, we'd like to go to Ranger School, and we'd we'd like to be a, we'd like to be Rangers, which is not easy. And no. he did it all. He did it all, but he didn't do it. He wanted no special privileges whatsoever, and he made that so clear to me. And, again, he didn't want – Hutt, when he told me that, one of the things I said when I was sitting facing him just like this, because when you talk to Pat Tillman, he never put his chair on the other side of the desk like you do mostly when you come into a head coach's office. He pulled up just like you and I are talking. And, and he said – and I said, Pat, do you realize the media storm this is going to be with this decision? I said, have you even thought about how you're going to handle that? He said, I'm not, Coach. I'm not saying a word about it. He said, you can. You're good at this. He said, you can do it for me. What a guy. I mean, what, a, what an American is, is how you describe Pat Tillman. Or you can't, really, at least from my perspective. You're the best at doing that. And uh, I'm sure he's honored uh, looking down, knowing that you're doing that on his behalf because you were one of his favorites too, based on the stories that are told. Well, and it, it's genuine. And as I said, Pat would not want to be singled out right. at, as any more special than any of the or thousands of men and women that, that, that make the, the, the sacrifice to serve our country. He wanted, he wanted no notoriety just because he had turned down a lot of money. He felt a sense of honor and duty to this country that was pure. Good to see you, man. Thank you for sharing. Thanks for having me, Hutt. Thanks for giving me a chance to do that. This is I've done it uh, all week, but uh, this is special doing it with you. Yeah. Coach Mack, Dave McGinnis, no stranger uh, to those who have followed our show, but if you've never heard stories from Coach Mack, there's nothing like them. That's, he's the best. Uh, and this won't be the last time we, we have him on the show to give perspective on many things. Um, you know, uh, one thing we won't do is ask him for his mock draft. We won't, <laughs> we won't be going through a mock draft with Coach Mack, Dave McGinnis. Um, I'll tell you, I, I could not take a punch from Mike Tyson. I don't, I'm not going to speak for you. Um, you can speak for me on I, that. I, I would not. You, you could not take a punch from Mike Tyson. Pat Tillman could, but there's not many who could. Someone on a flight dared chirp at Tyson, and they were punched for it. We go through this crazy storyline coming up. Stay with us on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome back, OutKick 360 across the OutKick network. I'm your host, Chad Withrow. Paul Kaharski out today. Jonathan Hutton in. He is live in Birmingham at Protective Stadium getting ready for USFL Week 2. David Reed, chairman of the board, is here. Our entire production group is here as well, doing a great job. As always, someone not doing a great job is Melvin Townsend III. And I'm going to ask Jonathan Hutton about this as well. Melvin Townsend III thought it'd be a good idea on a recent JetBlue flight to antagonize Iron Mike Tyson. 
Uh, he took a selfie with him, which Mike Tyson was happy to take with him, was somewhat polite with him the entire time. Um, and instead of just leaving it be, continued to bother him in his drunken state. And it led to Mike Tyson going rat-a-tat-tat on the skull of Melvin Townsend III. Hutton, I can't imagine uh, a dumber move than to do what this man did to Iron Mike himself on this flight. And we're showing you the video if you're watching right now, but wow. He still has the quick fist, that's for sure. Yes, and those have been on display uh, a few times through social media over the last year, year and a half. Uh, was it Roy Jones Jr. he was fighting uh, two years ago? I mean, it, the, guy, the guy's been training and is still revered as being a guy you don't want to mess with. Um, so I, I would say if you mess with Mike Tyson, you get what you deserve, period. Um, I'm not for Tyson punching out uh, you know, some dude on a flight. But according to reports, he was taking selfies with him. He was talking in his ear. He was belligerent. Um, the Tyson camp is saying he was clearly drunk. There's another report that says that he threw a water bottle at Tyson. If you do that, idiots deserve to be treated as such. And, and Tyson turned around and punched this dude out. Now, I will say, um, you know, Joe Kinsey had a great column at Outkick.com, which was how much would it take for you to, to sit, stand, whatever it is, and survive a four-piece from Tyson? <laughs> what would it take for you to take four punches from Tyson and live to tell about it? Now, now the, the key is here, um, you know, I'm sure Tyson, maybe, maybe it's considered uh, the, the same today, but boxers, you know, Evander Holyfield, Tyson, back, I, I vividly remember stories on SportsCenter growing up watching the repeats of Dan Patrick and Olbermann where, you know, in the summer months and they're leading up to a big fight, those guys' fists were considered deadly weapons. Like if they were throwing punches at a bar, it's considered a deadly weapon more than just you or I casually going out and observing guys who do or don't want to fight, as uh, Keith Bullock would want to say. So, uh, but look, I... It's, uh, it's an intriguing storyline because this guy looks like he's got a, a bloody temple, a busted lip, um, and if that's all, that's great news for him because he likely deserved more with the way he was acting on JetBlue. And what's JetBlue doing? You know, I, I see people getting dragged off of United Airlines flights and American Airlines and Southwest for not wanting to wear a mask. This dude's on JetBlue, which is one of these private planes no, it's, uh, JetBlue's, and throwing water. JetBlue's very cheap. That is not a, that is not a private did, did plane. You, did did you see? Well, this is clearly first class. Did you see where Tyson was sitting? Yeah, I don't he's in a, he's in a booth by himself. Yeah, I mean, unless JetBlue has some sort of service, I'm unaware of. It's a pretty cheap uh, airline that he was on. So, look, it, it, here's what's funny. By the way, when you said the the my the fist or considered a deadly weapon, I, I immediately thought yeah. about Brad Pitt and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood correcting Bruce Lee, who said that if he killed him in a fight that he wouldn't face any penalty. He said, no, it's called manslaughter yeah. if you do that, or involuntary manslaughter if that were to happen. Uh, Melvin Towns III, by the way, the guy who took the punches from Mike Tyson, uh, he has been convicted in the past of fraud, grand theft, burglary, possession of a controlled substance, and trafficking in stolen property. He served prison time twice, 20 months and another time a 15-month stint. So, uh, no stranger to problems, uh, this Melvin Towns III. And look, uh, now, I'm not one who often condones violence, but I am one who condones uh, righteous violence at times, and I feel like this guy got what was coming his way. I'm glad that he wasn't permanently injured by this and just has the blood yeah. and the bruises on the head to show for it, 
But I think he got exactly what he deserved in this altercation. And here's a lesson I would give to anyone who encounters a celebrity. Always err on the side of they don't want to be talking to you. They don't want to be bothered. I'm okay if you get your one chance with someone you wanted to meet to say something and be polite to them and courteous. Even if you want to get a selfie with them, that's fine. But you need to approach this interaction from the place of they probably don't want to be bothered right now. They probably don't want to be sitting and talking to me. They don't want to be posing for this picture. If you err on that side, I think things will work out better for you. I'll say this: uh, If I see, you know, if uh, what, Townsend is that his last name? This twenty-year-old kid, yes, um, who's been to who's been to prison. Um, I would also know Mike Tyson's been to prison, and among those who have been to prison that are now flying on JetBlue, he's a, if Elijah Woods on JetBlue, and you want to take a selfie with him, that's one thing. <laughs> Taking a photo and throwing a water bottle at Mike Tyson is a completely different uh, altercation altogether. And if you mess with that dude, you get what's coming to you. Yeah, I would absolutely uh, try to fight any of the hobbits, any of the actors who played a hobbit in a movie, <laughs> well before I'd try to fight Iron Mike Tyson. I wouldn't try to fight Jonathan Hutton on uh, his draft preparation either. And when we come back to start the 3 o'clock hour, Hutton's got three NFL draft storylines to watch as we get ready for the draft six days away. That's coming up. This is Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network.